This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is with 99.9% network reliability from Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. Hey, hey, Shore Wavers. Okay, it is award season, and our favorite sci-fi flick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, is getting buzz. So we wanted to share this interview we did with the directors, the Daniels. Enjoy. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Can you introduce yourself the way that you would like to? Eeny, meeny, itsy, bitsy. (laughs) (laughs) Yellow polka dot Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I like to be introduced. Um, Hi, guys. My name is Daniel Kwan with Daniel Shiner here, and we are the directing duo Daniels. Um, Yeah. Hello. (laughs) This is my voice, other Daniel. The Daniels' first feature, Swiss Army Man, swept Sundance with fart jokes. This year... What's happening? They took us to an entirely different universe. Many universes, in fact. In everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm here because we need your help. Starring Michelle Yeoh. Very busy today. No time to help you. Stephanie Hsu, Ki Huai Kwan, James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Thousands of Evelyns. This movie is a kung fu action film, a sci-fi flick, a romance, a family drama, even a little bit coming-of-age story. A multiverse of genres and possibilities. The thing about the multiverse that fascinated and scared us was the idea of infinity. And, and we wanted to make a movie that, like, uh, went to too many. We're borrowing heavily from um, Vonnegut and, and Douglas Adams in the way that um, they, they take science and they just take the absurdity and dial it up to like 100 um, and try to apply that to the multiverse just because it just felt like a really good metaphor for what it feels like to be alive right now, mm-hmm. to exist in an infinite number of different stories and narratives kind of colliding constantly in contradictions and emotional whiplash. Today on the show... How an indie film about laundry and taxes confronts infinity and our place in it. We talked to the directing duo Daniels about how science and real life inspired the world building in everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm Emily Kwong, and you're listening to Shorewave, the daily science podcast from NPR. This message comes from EarthX. The EarthX 2024 Environmental and Sustainability Congress of Conferences is happening in April and brings together all sides with one important mission, protect the planet. Go to earthx.org to register. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics. With vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon. Listen, both Daniels are nerds, but in different ways. For Daniel Scheinert, a self-proclaimed overachiever and teacher's pet, math was his thing. On math team, they give you 25 questions, one hour, and you get rewarded if you get any of them right. Yeah. Uh, and there's no right way to answer the questions. Mm. So it's a creative way to solve problems. A lot of times you'll end up with a score of 20 out of 100, and you can be proud of yourself. Whereas Daniel Kwan fell in love with science because of his mom. In second grade, they moved to a new school system, and Dan struggled to keep up, something he attributes to undiagnosed ADHD. 
His mom was worried his creativity was being stifled in a big class. So she pulled him out and homeschooled him for two years. We would do so many science experiments. Um, and so, like, if I was into, like, animals, I remember we, we got, like, a cow's brain and owl pellets and a sheep's eyeball, and we, we dissected them. Because my, my mom had, like, a catalog, like, for homeschool kids to buy science experiments at home. Mm. Um, so that, that was a big part of me realizing that I actually do love learning, yeah. just not school, which I think is a distinction that, obviously, we're all realizing is, is, is very, um, very specific yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Your movie is just punctuated with science facts. Like the alternate universe where there is an ape with hot dog fingers that won a fist fight. And that's the reason Homo sapiens died out. And I'm wondering, like, when did you decide to include science a little bit? Like just a, just a nugget. Um, and when do you decide to just go mm-hmm. for other things? I mean, I think this movie from the like more than anything we ever made right from the get go, it was inspired by some science stuff we'd read. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, oh, it's going to be in there. And then there was like a pruning process that we, like we were constantly like second guessing what to include, what not to include. I think it was important to us that like the pseudoscience make believe stuff be funny and narratively useful. Then it's okay as long as it's not dangerously misleading. You know, mm-hmm. like I do think that like science facts like sometimes can evoke like a real intense emotional reaction or philosophical reaction and like for me and that's so fun and like from very early on that was kind of part of this was like oh let's let's talk about how the multiverse makes us feel Hmm. like we've been reading all this uh climate apocalypse stuff because apparently global warming is pretty real (laughs) and we're like how do you tell like the stories that we're telling don't quite capture how this makes me feel and uh as a filmmaker, that's like a fun, you know, it's part of our job, you know? You just made me realize something, which I've never thought about. Simply that when scientists are going out there pursuing information about how things work, their job is not to then help us process how we feel about what they find. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's where I think artists, teachers, storytellers, communicators, folks like you, you play that role um, mm-hmm. in helping people deal with what's true about our universe or we play the role of making you like giving you permission to be willfully ignorant and um, <laughs> and not worry about it you know sure. we're actually distracting the public from these important conversations right. sometimes and other times we're like able to help us process them yeah oh i think you nailed it your creative process seems kind of scientific to me um mm-hmm. in that it's very question based like you know how in school you learn about the scientific method and you like develop a question and it's coming from a place of curiosity and then that question eventually leads to theories and just to like take this metaphor all the way your movies are basically spaces for you to test your theories um the the making part and i'm wondering what movie making theory were you most proud of putting to test on this film Totally. Wow. Uh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that that description very much resonates. Because like a lot of times people will be like, what drugs were you on when you wrote this? And you're like, um, it, no, it, it's it's more my math brain, you know, that, that inspired the movie. Like we found out early on that like um, our favorite projects were ones we weren't sure if we could figure out mm. or pull off. And we knew we were going to be engaged and trying to crack this straight through 
the very last day of working on it, as opposed to like, oh, we know exactly how to do this. Um, a hypothesis is what inspires us to make a movie, not a uh, moral of the story or um, clear cut story that we're totally confident in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but you're. I think you're. You're definitely tapping into something that even maybe we weren't aware of um, until more recently. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wanna. I wanna talk one little bit about this idea of the scientific method and, and when we learned it in school and how um, in, in sixth grade we were mm-hmm. supposed to choose a science project okay. um, to basically do the scientific method, test out your hypothesis mm-hmm. and see what the conclusion is. And, you know, being the person who is very afraid of failure and wanting to check the box, get an A+, I was like, okay, I'm going to do an experiment on plants and the effect that different colored lights have mm-hmm. on it. So I had you know, the control group of, of white light and then blue light, red light, green light, whatever, all these different plants, just to see how it affected the growth. Yeah. But then my friend, I remember my friend came up with an experiment that I was like terrified for him. I was like, but you're going to get a bad grade. And his experiment was basically, it's a classic you know, philosophical conundrum, which is, is the color green that I see and perceive the same color green that you see and perceive? Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. what a fun, bold question. <laughs> exactly. But like, he had a bad grade, even though he was searching for something that was actually meaningful to him. And like, what lesson are we teaching our kids when things like that are possible? And so now, as an adult, I feel like I'm atoning for my sins or atoning for the fact that I wasn't brave enough to to actually chase after things I don't know how to do. Um, because that process is is how... I think on an individual level, like I grow. Right. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, Daniel, um, Quan, just how Evelyn as a character, one of the possibilities for her is she has undiagnosed ADHD and she was imagined kind of that way. Um, can you tell us just more about that facet of her and how you put it into the filmmaking and representing that authentically? Yeah. For this movie, we were trying to, yeah, tell a story about someone who basically dissociates all the time, is constantly in another world in their mind, which is, mm-hmm. you know, honestly just came from my own experience. Like, my, my wife is constantly being like, hey, hey, hello, hello, I asked you a question. And then, I like, you know, finally I and snap out like, and I'm like, oh. Like, Dan, what are you thinking about? And then what, what do you say to her? What do you say? <laughs> I always say everything, which is the truth. Like whenever she asks me, what are you thinking movie. about? I say everything, <laughs> mostly because I don't want to go through the the process of, you know, talking her through all the things that went through my brain to get to the thought that I, I was chewing yeah. on. And so I was like, okay, this is this is a great start for the character. And in some ways also it's inspired by my mother who was like that growing up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were like, I guess we should do some research and make sure we, we kind of explore this, you know, in a, in a very empathetic and, and accurate way. And then, you know, I started reading about it online. I started taking some ADHD tests. I started realizing that like, you know, through tears, you know, as tears were falling down my face, I was like, oh no, maybe this is, this is who I am. Maybe this is why I I had such a hard time in school and and Mm -hmm. still have such a hard time in my day-to-day life. Um, And then it just became like obvious that, you know, even without trying to put in ADHD, this movie was going to be infused with it from the very beginning. The DNA of it was all going to be there. Hmm. And there's even the, the line at the end when she says, like, you know, I, I prayed that my daughter would not end up like me. 
But unfortunately, she ended up like a mess, just like, you know, just like me, which is something like my mom used to say to me as a kid. You know, I remember just sitting in her office and just papers, stacks of receipts everywhere. And she would say, like, Daniel, don't be like me. Don't become like me because it's really hard to exist as an adult like this. Mm. My, my partner has ADHD and we were watching it together. And you can just imagine the two of us like mm-hmm. I'm Asian-American, was very depressed as a teenage girl Jobu is like my girl. I'm like mm. just destroyed. <laughs> and then Duncan's over oh. here destroyed over a totally connected but ultimately separate set of experiences. Yeah. And wow. um but you don't name any of it. Like you said mm-hmm. you didn't name it and I'm wondering why. Why is that a value? I was just thinking about this the other day that like uh not, maybe Dan has a good answer for why, but like I'm so glad we didn't because so many people connect with it for their on their own terms and in their own way. It felt like a private and, thing between me and Joy. Like I'm like this person's right. struggling mm. with depression, and I know that. Yeah, and I feel like if we named too much of it, then uh, we might have skewed the movie a little more towards you or your partner. Mm-hmm. One one journalist wrote an essay about like it feeling seen as a menopausal woman. Wow, and we were like. Hell yeah! I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't like name everything because then she might have watched it and been like, "Oh, never mind. It's not about me." Yeah, you know. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you is, in this moment in the film when um, Evelyn and Joy are in the rock verse where they're both rocks, um, there's no speaking, just words on the screen and like wind sounds, which I thought was really funny for some reason. Um, and one rock says, every new discovery is just a reminder that we're all small and stupid. So, Daniels, I have a question for you. In the process of making this film, what have you discovered that's made you feel small and stupid? <laughs> um, you know, my movie's a hit, so I feel huge and smart <laughs> that I don't relate to my movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic Shiner answer. No. <laughs> that deserves... Um, some recognition though huge hit no that's not i mean it's it's a da- it's a danger yeah. it's very weird sure. um every time we tried to put the science into the movie it was very humbling because hmm. it's hard hard to get right and complicated and um yeah but inspiring yeah this is a hard answer for me because um i don't need science to feel small and stupid you know if, in fact like you know me and my therapist <laughs> spend most of our time working on like how do i feel you know okay with myself and um i think that's a very personal journey for me. Like, how can I reflect back to humanity that we are okay, that we are awesome, that we are... Mm. Because I, I, my predisposition is to say we suck, we're miserable, we're selfish, we're, go- we're you know, we're, we're self-terminating. Um, and, you know, so it, it, it's... I don't know. It's not a fun answer to your question, but it's like everything, everything is always pushing us away from the center. And I feel like, we're, like storytellers like us are just trying to, like, reclaim ourselves in that story somehow Hmm. thank you for making this movie and running that experiment it i think it's changing (sighs) a lot of lives in very 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 subtle ways and maybe some very Mm. obvious Mm. ways but i'm i'm so glad that we could talk to you oh my gosh thank you honored to be here (laughs) yeah we're big into interdisciplinary studies I, i love mixing the arts with the sciences so this is this has been real fun you can watch everything everywhere all at once at home and in theaters right now.
This episode was produced and edited by Thomas Liu. Additional editing from Giselle Grayson, who is our senior supervising editor, and it was fact-checked by Rachel Carlson. The audio engineer for this episode was Hannah Glovna. Special thanks to Ryan Collins and Rachel Goldfinger for helping us coordinate this interview. I'm Emily Kwong. Keep it weird, fam, and tune in tomorrow for more Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies from nonprofits to the Fortune 500 solve food for work. From ordering online for meetings and team lunches to managing food spend for your whole organization, Easy Cater can help you simplify your corporate catering needs. Over 100,000 restaurants nationwide, plus budgeting tools and payment by invoice. Learn more at easycater.com. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.